catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi and welcome. We're going live right now after Wrestle Kingdom. We're the hosts of Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, which is hosted on Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube and audio platforms every Friday. I'm Kelsey. This is Paul. And we're really excited because Wrestle Kingdom was awesome. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. It was really, really good. But um, the one thing I do think that we can take away from it is that Wrestle Kingdom was awesome. I love the main event, but it was actually a lot shorter than years past. So I think that was, that kind of said a lot about it. Like it was basically under four hours total. It's like they're trying to westernize or like, you know, Americanize and globalize it to make it more streamlined, more appealing for new casual fans who are just getting into the product. Well, you used the word awesome and it was a great show, mm -hmm. but I, I was actually a little underwhelmed. Uh, maybe I had built some of these matches up so much in my head, especially right off the bat, the Ibushi uh, Osprey match, which was fantastic. But given the high flyers that they are, I, I expected more there. The Young Bucks tag team match seemed like it was ridiculously short. Talking about the time constraints that you were talking about, that's that's what it felt like. Was everything was just shortened up too much, and I was really underwhelmed with the show and. Uh, but I mean, again, underwhelmed by Japanese New Japan standards. It still was a great show. Well, that's that's a good point there because New Japan is known for like extended high quality matches. And yes, the main event, I think, lived up to the mm -hmm. hype. And that was long. In fact, they even said it was the longest main event in Wrestle Kingdom history, which was which, hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, That was surprising. But even with that, if you look at all the other matches, usually for Wrestle Kingdom, every match has time to breathe. I'm not saying that every single match has to be insane long like 20 30 minutes but when you get to like matches like osprey versus abushi like you mentioned that could have been so much longer mm -hmm. those are two of the best high flyers in the world and just to to limit them so much and to put them first i think was really really surprising but i don't want to you know come off on a sour note because i did enjoy the show no, again yeah i mean it was good yeah but it was just there's some things that I would have changed and I do miss because like New Japan, like it's all about that long match. Great, high quality. Well, again, I mean, even look, the Jericho match was short, but I think that was we, yeah. appropriate. But we talked about it, you know, as the show went along, like we would say, really, that's it. Like it's over. Already <laughs> yeah, I know. Everything? So, I mean, I guess that's the surprising part. It It wasn't a bad show. It was a great show. It just wasn't the show that I'm used to in new Japan. I, I just felt like it wasn't at that same level because I didn't feel like everybody got to do what they wanted to do. 
yeah, I definitely felt like there was time constraints because if you look back at years past, I don't mean to keep driving this home, but usually I've experienced Wrestle Kingdom at five plus hours mm -hmm. where there's no time limit. But now that they're streaming on multiple platforms, I think they're condensing it and condensing it to make it more appealing for all these different platforms and stuff, which I guess makes sense in the overall expansion of the company. But when you really think about like what New Japan represents, as we said a few minutes ago, it just is hard to like stomach as a new Japan, like hardcore fan who doesn't mind the long show. And in fact, I, I said last year, like there's nothing like watching Wrestle Kingdom and watching the sunrise outside <laughs> as you're watching it. Now we're in central time. That's not like it is all around the country. Like some people are watching it like, you know, a little bit earlier than us. Like if you're in California time right, and right. stuff, but still there's nothing like it here in central time and Eastern time too, where you get to watch the sun come up as like the main events going on. Mm -hmm. And we kind of missed that this year. And I don't know, it just, it, to me, it takes away from what new Japan is and the best parts about new Japan. But um, like some matches that have been longer, Cody and juice, I think definitely the bucks, three-way IWGP heavyweight tag match could have been longer too. Much longer. Yeah, like, I mean... I, it, so, it felt like nothing happened in that, and then it was over. Where was the story with Tomatonga? <laughs> like, he was trying to prevent his brother from becoming more heelish, but I thought we were going to see way more of a story about them turning a new leaf, and I thought we were going to get Tomatonga turning back into the bad boy, so I thought we weren't going to get the good guy staying around. But all that really didn't have time to develop and to play out, really, I thought. And we're we're noticing a lot of you are starting to comment on the uh, on the show, and we're going to weigh in with some of your comments as well. But uh, we're going to talk about a couple other things as well. And there was no doubting the underlying storylines of all elite wrestling, maybe some departures of wrestlers. It it was clearly they they were dropping some subtext into the show on both those fronts. They really were. And it was surprising to hear Kevin Kelly actually mention like the Jacksonville ja Jaguars multiple times, including alluding to Cody's tights right? and that they were the colors of the team. Even had the Jaguar stripes or spots in it too. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was interesting that Kevin brought attention to it. Now I said on my Twitter, you know, I think this means that they could be working with New Japan in the future as a partnership. There's all kinds of rumors going around that they've already had talks with New Japan and also rumors that they've talked with Ring of Honor. Now, we don't know the results of these talks or if they even happened because they're rumors. But it'd be interesting to see how this all unfolds and how these companies will relate to All Elite Wrestling. But... I just feel like Kevin Kelly probably wouldn't have mentioned it so many times. Right. That's what I said. And you yeah. <laughs> said you thought you heard him say the words AEW. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear it definitely. firsthand, definitely. but you said you heard yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, to me, that screams that there's going to be a partnership. There has to be. And again, we're going to find out a lot more about All Elite Wrestling in a couple of days when they have the press conference in Jacksonville. But. It, Initially, I, my concern with All Elite Wrestling was, what's it going to be? Is it going to be this competition, true competition for WWE, like you know the days of WCW, or is it just going to be another promotion? And I guess that's what we're going to find out here. And certainly if there's the cooperation of Ring of Honor and New Japan, it could be a humongous uh, promotion. I feel like they need talent. And that's why I have this sneaking suspicion they'll be working with New Japan, if not also Ring of Honor. I mean, I think New Japan's the more likely person or group that they'll be working with. 
but I, I just don't know. I can't see them acquiring a lot of big, big names without dipping into other talent and other companies that they've already been associated with. I could be wrong, and I'd be glad to admit that I'm wrong later. It's just really hard to speculate. I think they could be competition in a way, more so not competition in the traditional sense, but in the sense that they're providing an alternative for fans who love wrestling, who love to see something different. And I think it'll provide a big alternative for a large group of people who are unhappy with WWE. Now, you still might have the casuals who will be fine-tuned to WWE because that's such a massive company. You can't really overtake it. And I don't think they're trying to. I think they're just trying to change the landscape and show that you can be successful without going to WWE. And they've done that in the past. They've done that with, you know, All In. And they've done that with their whole career, especially the Young Bucks specifically. With their whole career, they've defied the odds and made their own rules. Well, and with their merch game too. And I get all that, and that's. But I want it to be a legit competition at this point. I don't want just another promotion. Well, because you know, we've got so many promotions out there as it is. You know how hard it is for us to keep track of all the promotions yeah. we talk about on Two Face Wrestling Talk. If it's just another promotion. I'm not as excited as I, I would be as if this is truly going to be a powerhouse where, you know, we've already heard rumors and look, the rumors are out there. T uh, they're talking to time Warner about maybe being on TBS or TNT. That's Goldberg. one big rumor. You know? Yeah. The talk of Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. I mean like all elite wrestling on Twitter, their official Twitter account is not following hardly any wrestlers. Now they're following Scorpio sky. They're following, you know, Frankie and Christopher Daniels, but they are apparently following Goldberg. And this is the interesting part. Goldberg, who's not following any wrestling really besides WWE, is following them back. Now, people are reporting this all over Twitter, especially Wrestling Inc. We've reported it as well. And that's kind of a very, very uh, head-scratching thing. Like, what does this mean? There's been reports of legends working with the company mm -hmm. we all know that cody rhodes is very cl close with uh diamond dallas page and in fact we interviewed ddp at all in mm -hmm. during starcast right. and he talked a lot about how proud he was of cody and he walked cody down to the ring among a few other people mm -hmm. cody had his close-knit group of people but um I, I could definitely see ddp being in that promotion supporting cody i think he would have no problem doing that he had no problem being a part of all in and as far as goldberg i mean remember how one of the road warriors came out mm -hmm. to the ring on the motorcycle and they're like well you need to have a legend and he was right there on his motorcycle and that was so so awesome i think goldberg could be involved in a very small way like that because i don't see him having like a big role or a title or anything no so. no because i mean to me that would be a bad mistake to yeah kind of as much as you want to be nostalgic if you're truly going to be this this innovative groundbreaking thing yeah you know i mean i'll, I'll even kind of go back to a lesser scale when we talked about the reinvention of impact and that <laughs> yeah. first show back scott steiner wins the tag team title and he, oh god he no oh, i'm not gonna go on that whole don't go rant on your again. rant i'm not i'm not paul but the point notoriously is, the, doesn't like steiner no it's not just that it's just it, it, it for impact to be turning a corner and that was their first uh match of that show <laughs> was a mistake so my point is you can't do that with Goldberg, I don't think, either. So if he's just going to appear, that's one thing. Uh, and again, these are all one of the million rumors. I, you know, I just saw somebody ask us about uh, the Kenny Omega to WWE rumor um, 
Well, yeah. he said he heard that he signed. I don't. I haven't heard right. that, so I cannot confirm that. And if that's true, I'll be so sad. Well, I will cry if that's true. Well, Please and and if it is true, I, you would assume Kenny Omega would have some sort of proper goodbye. It wouldn't be just walking out of the ring after losing to Tanahashi. You would think I, there would be a send off of some sort if that was true. Because they sent off. AJ Styles, mm-hmm. but remember, there's New Year's Dash, and traditionally, right. and speaking of AJ Styles, that's where the turn happened, if you guys remember way back when. When Omega turned on Styles in that tag match, it, I believe it was at New Year's Dash, and everything kind of progressed from there. I could be wrong, but I believe it was New Year's Dash. Traditionally, a lot of big things happened there. If you remember, Suzuki Gun reformed at New Year's Dash as well. I was so excited because I had been wanting to see Suzuki back in New Japan. I had discovered Suzuki when I watched an AJ Styles Again, a Styles name drop. <laughs> I had seen the AJ Styles versus Suzuki G1 match from years ago, and I was like, oh my god, Suzuki's awesome. And he returned during New Year's Dash. So big things happen at that show. So it'll be interesting to see what plays out tomorrow night at that sh- big, big show that traditionally huge things happen. Will Kenny Omega send off there, whether it's for All Elite Wrestling or whether it's for WWE? Who knows? Well, and- but it's interesting. And another, uh, I don't want him to go to WWE, <laughs> please. I will cry. Well, and another rumor no. that we heard throughout the show, uh, was that, uh, Kushida is on his way to WWE and they certainly set the groundwork during that whole match that he was on his way out. If you listen to commentary during Wrestle Kingdom, during the Kushida match and Ishimori, obviously won the title from Kushida. Now, this is very surprising because I am really, really floored why Kushida would go to WWE. We've seen other huge Japanese stars go over and not be as big. Yeah. On And now out, women Japanese stars yeah. have, se- have seemed to have better luck getting over in WWE. Now, I'm not talking about Nakamura because obviously no. he's the exception and he's been over from the beginning. But Kushida and Nakamura... Are they on the same level? I'm going to be very, very honest and say no. I love Kushida. I've got a Kushida shirt that I almost wore tonight, so I'm not bashing Kushida. I believe and support everything Kevin Kelly said about Kushida's career, how he basically is a legend for the junior heavyweight division in New Japan Pro Wrestling. In fact, he carried that division for so long before we had Osprey, before we had Ricochet when he was in New Japan. We had Kushida, and he really kind of was a stalwart of that promotion. So to see him go to WWE, I don't know if that's the smartest decision if it's true. Well, because you look at Tozawa, you look at uh, Itami. Now, Itami was out, uh, has obviously battled injuries since he, he came over to WWE, but they're basically buried on 205 Live. And so I don't know if Kushida will, will would get over on uh, WWE as well. Let's circle back to the Kushida match. At the beginning, that kid with that scary <laughs> flippin' mask. What did you guys think about that mask? It was too lifelike for me, and it was very scary. But Callis, Don Callis, I'm so glad he was back on commentary. I love the chemistry between him and Kevin Kelly. Now, it was a three-man booth with Chris, and at one point, Rocky made <laughs> yeah, a, a very a loud... screaming appearance. Yeah, a, a really loud appearance. <laughs> but yeah, they had a three-man booth, which I'm really not a fan of. Not that I have anything against Chris, because I really, really like him a lot. I think he's very knowledgeable and obviously a great author author, uh, a great mind about New Japan and the history, knows a lot about the history of Japanese wrestling. I love that about him. But I was glad to hear mostly Kevin Kelly and Don Callis basically have the spotlight on commentary because they have the greatest chemistry together. But Callis had the, the line of the night where he said... So basically, they did the thing where Taguchi was Doc Brown. He comes in, the little kid is dressed up like Kushida in the mask. 
very creepy. But then he presses a button, smoke goes, and Callus is like, the kid, they just blew up that kid. That was awesome. <laughs> so he loves kids getting hurt because, because as in, you pointed in, out. In Impact, they had the uh, LAX OGs battle and uh, a kid gets run over in this like street party. So Callus apparently likes to see kids put in harm's way on his shows. So <laughs> Yeah, because I mean that whole the streets are watching and then they end up hurting a kid with the LAX versus OGs. Ridiculous. And now again with this ridiculous kid thing. And he was so delighted at the kid being hurt or blown up. Ridiculous. Couple but, couple yeah. good comments I just want to mention here talking about you know Omega and going to WWE. Hank said uh, a lot of these guys working the new Japan style are physically breaking down. WWE offer them bigger money and less toll on their bodies. Let them go if they want, which I agree with. You know, I don't, I won't be sad, but yeah. sure, whatever. And then uh, Terrence says, no matter who WWE signs, it won't matter. It's a product that has no momentum whatsoever. The sheep can try all they like, but it's been stale and uninteresting for years. No one cares about WWE. I will contend with that a little bit. People do a care. Bit. A lot of people do care about WWE, but I will not disagree with him on. The product has gone downhill, but they are preaching that they're going to change though. But how true is that really? Well, and you know, we, we read a rumor, you know, again, the rumors are, are out there that WWE wants Omega because Roman Reigns is down for a while. They, they realize AEW could be a very th real threat. So I look, I could see WWE pushing hard to get Omega to kind of change their fortunes a little bit and say, all right, we're turning the corner here. You know, we're getting serious, whatever you want to say. Um, I just don't know, A, if it if there's any truth to the rumor, and B, whether Omega would be happy there and wh whether he would turn the corner. He wouldn't help them turn the corner. have the creative freedom. As much as they might promise him that he would, Vince is in charge of the show. I mean, and until Triple H truly takes over. But like, let's be true. honest, Triple H would be in charge. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always hearken back to the example. NXT, there's this NXT show, I think it was Breaking Ground, where, um, who was it? I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> Basically, Triple H was talking to a wrestler. I can't remember who it was. Um, talking to a wrestler, and he made him change his finisher. And was like, oh, uh, I'm choosing between these two finishers. And uh, Triple H was like, well, I like this one. So it was in Triple H's hands, which finisher the wrestler went with. Hmm. I wish I could remember who, but I swear to you guys, this is a 100% true story. <laughs> I definitely saw it on Breaking Ground, and I was like, wow. So obviously, every wrestler who signs there gives up some level of control, whereas Omega and the Bucks and Cody, and you can even go further and start saying Hangman Page and uh, even Marty Skrull, they have the power because they have so much name value and, you know, recognize people recognize them so much outside of wrestling right now with the hot topic deal, et cetera, et cetera, that they can basically do whatever they want. You don't just get that freedom anywhere you go. So I think that's a special thing to consider. I don't know. I really don't want to see Omega in WWE. And let's talk about that main event real quick. Yeah. I thought that lived up to the hype. That was probably one of my favorite matches of the night besides the Jericho match. I really thought that, Osprey and Abushi would steal the show. I was so confident in that, but I don't think they had the time to contend with what Omega and Tanahashi did. Now we've got our notes here, so excuse us if we're looking yeah. down, but uh, I don't want to forget anything because we made some good notes here. Um, I loved Omega's 
ring gear and his special outfit where it looked actually looked like he had one wing that was really really awesome but as you pointed out where the heck was his normal music it started out with his music and then it like twisted into something different was it because of the video package was like a video game so it was Mm -hmm. more like a video game type of music was it just a one-off special type of music but i did really really miss his original score because it's so catchy and awesome and kind of iconic with him and synonymous with him at this point so to see him change that i was like oh no it kind of brought the ring gear down a little bit of course tanahashi was welcomed with cheers and um, I really liked them slapping each other in anger, but really the anger really came from Tanahashi, which was awesome to see that kind of fierce side of Tanahashi, very serious. Right. And on commentary, they emphasized how both of them were very annoyed with each other and didn't even want to be in the same ring with each other. And were almost like frustrated that they even had to do this match together. So that was kind of cool. Well, Tanahashi uh, slaps Kenny and then Kenny kind of does a light slap. And then when Tanahashi slaps him again, it, it really kind of, angered Kenny, which was, was interesting. And, you know, the whole storyline going into this was kind of the old school and new school and Tanahashi, you know, saying everything needs to stay in the ring. There doesn't need to be the use of tables and uh, tables did come into play in this in a couple ways. The Omega flipping Tanahashi over onto the table was crazy. I was going to say that. (laughs) Go ahead. But, you know, the, the the second part was setting up the other table. Tanahashi was conflicted and didn't want to use the table well, initially. Because they were playing it up on commentary, as you guys heard if you watched the show. They were playing up how Tanahashi was against everything outside of the ring. He was against the use of tables, the use of chairs. Everything should be decided within, you know, the ring. And that was his big belief. So they were pushing that on commentary. And then I like how they teased Tanahashi looking at the table at first, like he was going to use it. Then he decided not to, and he rolled in the ring. But then later he decides, okay, I'm going to use the table, puts Kenny Omega on the table, does the high fly flow. Of course it backfires on him because he compromised his own morals and tried to play, you know, by Omega's rules, and it didn't pay off for him at all. I love that because it was such a big story point in the match. However, I thought during the match, I really believed even if Kenny was leaving, I really believed he would retain. And so with that belief, I was like, okay, yeah, Tanahashi compromises his morals. It's not going to pay off for him. He's going to end up losing the match. It's going to be a big story point. Not as much as I thought because he ended up winning the match in the end. Insane. (laughs) But nonetheless, it was still a cool spot and still a big story point in the match. I like the uh, later slap exchange where they really beat the hell out of each other for about 45 seconds. Uh, the match comes to an end. Tanahashi hits a couple of high five flows. Kenny kicks out. Um, when he didn't move out of that last high five flow, you're like, it's over. And I'm like, it's over. You're yep, right. Yep. I just knew it was true. I was like, yeah. no, no, no. Because yeah, he got out of the one wing angel. Yeah. And then he got the sling blade and then, you know, goes for that final high five flow and uh, won the title. And, you know, Obviously, the crowd erupted. They were very happy about it. Kenny got out of the Kenny and the Bucks disappeared immediately. I, I don't know if you noticed that. Like, well, Nick was pulling him out of the ring, like, like, come on, come on, like, like he was pulling pretty furiously, yeah. like, come so, on. And Kenny kind of hesitated to roll out of the ring. He kind of took one last look at Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was all purposeful or if that was like a subtle thing that only some people noticed, but I noticed it. Like Nick was pulling at Kenny to get out of the ring. That was kind of. I think said a lot. Somebody said never enough V triggers. <laughs> I said there would be at least like at one point, Kenny hit one. I was like, there's gonna be two more right in succession. And there was, there's actually even more than that. Well, yeah, that's where yeah. somebody earlier in the commentary said there were too many V triggers. I say and- there's, n- there's <laughs> never too much V triggers. That's like Omega's kind of signature. in, in my opinion, so. uh, let's revert back to the beginning of the show. Um, 
the Osprey Ibushi match. We've talked about it on the podcast. I thought this was going to steal the show. Me too, as I, I said. I thought it would be Matt. I thought on January 4th, this would be match of the year that there would be no contention at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. It was great, but it wasn't, they didn't do as much of the aerial stuff, crazy stuff that I thought they would do. Now, see, I was really invested in the match because I'm a big Osprey fan. In fact, he might be my number one favorite wrestler besides Suzuki. So, and the Bucks, of course. But I think because I was so invested, I didn't see the shortness of the match. I didn't see the lackluster of high-flying moves. I just enjoyed it because I really wanted Osprey to beat Ibushi, which he did, <laughs> and I was happy of it. I, I was happy about it. But I think it all goes back as well why I was invested. We said in our end-of-the-year special, which you can catch every Friday, we drop our podcast on Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel and on their audio platforms. It's called Winks Two-Faced, and we had an end-of-the-year special talking about our favorite uh, wrestlers of the year. And I said, Osprey was one of the best and notable wrestlers of the year, and that his promo skills are really underrated. If you watch the New Japan press conference, which I think if you haven't, you should go back because it adds a lot to Wrestle mm -hmm. Kingdom. Even if you've already seen Wrestle Kingdom, go back and it'll add layers into the show if you listen to what every person had to say, including we'll talk about Jay White. He had some great stuff he said right. in the press conference. Um but Osprey had some amazing quotes. Let me just get to one. He was talking about how it's about the championship and he wanted to bring the never open weight title back to prominence. And he feels like it was made for the new breed of guys like himself. And he wants a junior weight to ho hold the title so that we could have more junior weight versus heavyweight matches. Now, Abushi is kind of like barely a heavyweight. So to me, it still felt like a junior versus a match. junior. They basically have the exact same body type. They do. And in <laughs> fact, someone commented earlier that Osprey looked like he put on muscle mass, right. which I I also agree with he was off for a while when he had a rib injury now yeah they were selling his rib injury on commentary but he really did have that injury and was out so i think he probably gained some muscle mass while he was out even though he couldn't really exercise he probably ate a lot and stuff <laughs> when he was training to return probably gained some some weight there but just osprey cementing that he wants to see more junior weight versus heavyweight matches and that's why i'm glad he won now i will say i love some parts of the match like recreating the they had that awesome tag match. It was Osprey tagging with Tanahashi against Abushi and Omega. And they had that awesome shot shot in that match where Osprey gets flipped over but lands on his feet. And then Abushi is looking back and he cannot believe right. Osprey landed on his feet. Again, they re recreated that. You didn't think it was as good because of it wasn't over the shoulder as much? Well, no, I didn't like because Abushi was bleeding out of the left side of his mouth. So to me, it would have been a more dramatic shot if he was looking over his left. And you saw the blood running down his face and still having the shock. But it's still, I you mean, you still looked, saw the blood when they cut to a different right, angle. Right. And that was awesome. And I think it added a lot to the match, especially when they put Abushi in that stretcher, which I don't think is real. Um, I think that's why Abushi didn't come out and do anything with Kenny. So they had to avoid him coming out at the end right. and making a quick exit and everything. So I think a good way to explain why he wasn't out there was putting him in that stretcher and having him lose the belt. And, and, Good thing you brought that up because we've seen multiple people in the commentaries asking, "Did we do we think Ibushi is really hurt?" I don't think so. I, I think if Ibushi was really hurt, they they first of all would have had doctors out there. It was just the young lions kind of helping get him and, out of and there. And they brought that stretcher in so quickly, like it was at the ready. Right. So I don't think it was real. I think it was definitely planned. And I think it makes perfect sense when you think about why didn't Ibushi come out and at least console Omega? Well, I guess they didn't want to take too much time and take too much. Uh, attention away from Tanahashi. So to explain that whole absence of Ibushi and people wanting to see the Golden Lovers at the very end, like consoling each other, 
have Abushi be hurt in quotes. So I think that explains it all. Yeah, I do too. And, and, and look, uh, I, th- I, it was interesting though. I, and I said this to you as we watched it, we don't see that in new, we see it in yeah. WWE a lot, but we don't see it in new Japan where they, they stretch or somebody out of there. That's always a big part of a WWE storyline that he had, somebody had to be stretched out. You don't see that much in new Japan. Not my and that's why watching. I think some people may believe there was some legitimacy to him being hurt. Yeah. Well, yeah, to be fair, someone said first aid is always at the ready. Yes, but New Japan just doesn't use a stretcher very often. And the young boys were handling it versus like somebody, you know, an actual person qualified to come in the ring like a doctor. So I just I just don't believe that it's real. But that is a valid point. Um, Let's go and switch gears, even though there's so much more to say about each of these matches. We don't want to go on forever. Um, I really loved the Jay White Okada match. And that's what we're getting a lot of commentary about. So let's get to that. Because to me, that might be like close up there to my favorite Mm -hmm. match. I agree. Let's talk about Okada and how you can. Somebody had this great comment to me because I I tweeted, oh my God, the trunks. The trunks are (laughs) back. So yes, we saw old school looking Rainmaker Okada in his classic gear with his classic blonde hair, blonde whitish hair, whatever you want to call it. But we saw the classic Okada confident doing the Rainmaker pose with the money fallen. He didn't need Gato to be that classic Okada. I liked that. And also he was kind of covering up the shorts, but he gets in the ring, reveals his shorts. I think those shorts are better booked than a lot of wrestlers on the card because they got a huge pop. And that's because the shorts were gone. And he was using those pants for so long. So somebody made a great comment when I was tweeting about how excited I was and how big of a pop his shorts got. Somebody was like, wrestling is so great. You know, that 40,000 people can go insane over just seeing Okada's shorts. Really, it's one of the great things about wrestling, how people can get invested in just seeing some shorts after they haven't in a while. And that's the great thing about wrestling. So many things can make you excited or shocked or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Go down the list of options. Uh, Zach even said, I hope uh, Clown Okada doesn't return. With I the think, balloons and yeah, the red I, hair. I, th- I don't like that Okada. I think we like him back being serious. And, and I thought Don Callis, which was ironic because he seemed to bring up Bret Hart's name a lot. Three times he, at least during the night, I believe. But he ca- compared Okada to Bret Hart. And I thought that was a, a pretty good uh, assessment. And, and a guy that brings it every night is is a solid performer. And you know you can depend on him. Now let's talk about long-term booking. You were mentioning how you feel like they kept talking about the era, the new era, the era of the Switchblade, which they've been playing into for a long time now. And now with the result of the match, we're coming to see that into fruition, basically. I think that's kind of cool. And I think the video package that you enjoyed kind of also supported and cemented the era of the Switchblade. You saw that cool shot of Jay White sitting confidently in his chair with Gato standing like almost looming like his he's his sidekick like they're kind of running the joint he's looming on the side great camera shot in that video package kind of set up the match and uh kind of set up what we're seeing now with the era of Jay White the new era and I really like Jay White's character. I will mention this now. We've mentioned it in our podcast before. When Jay White first turned heel and came back from Excursion and he had that match against Tanahashi, I had doubts that this heel character, this Switchblade character, would work. But now I'm so glad to be wrong because I've given it time and he has grown and grown into that character and he looks so comfortable with it and he's a marvelous and a wonderful heel, like really top of the line, high class heel. And we talked about the press conference. He had some great heelish 
you know, statements in the press conference talking about how he wanted to make Okada his, you know, yeah. you know <laughs> and all this other stuff. And I love how Okada started talking Japanese to him and Jay White went to the interpreter and was like, what did he just say? And not only did he ask what Okada said, but he responded back. Right to whatever the translator said to him and said, you know what? It's enough with smiling and enough joking. You know, you won't be smiling. You won't be joking after our match. You'll find out that you should take me seriously. I think all of that, if you haven't seen the press conference, at least go watch a few parts like the Jay White part, the Kenny Omega promo or press conference. Uh, definitely the Will Ospreay part. All those are great, great, great speeches that they gave and promos that they gave that added to the show, I believe. Anthony uh, says White remain, reminds him of uh, how Edge played heel almost. And that's, wow, that's, that's a, a good great, analogy. I that's like a that great a analogy. Uh, I really agree with that, actually. A couple of people uh, not sold on Jay White yet, but I've also seen the flip side where people believe Jay White may ascend to Kenny Omega's spot if Kenny Omega were to leave. If you look at how they've pushed Jay White, I mean, right when he came back from Excursion, now compare this with Cody Rhodes' debut um, against Juice at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes. It was awesome that he got him like a singles Wrestle Kingdom match, but it wasn't against like the ace of New Japan, Tanahashi, like Jay White got to do. Right now, that just shows you, obviously, Jay White. White. The difference is he went through the New Japan Dojo versus Cody Rhodes, who did not. So, so Cody Rhodes was still respected enough to get a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom in his debut at Wrestle Kingdom, but not to the level that Jay White received and that just shows you how much faith i think new japan has in jay white and i think we're seeing the payoff now where finally jay white is comfortable in that character and finally his match quality is awesome i loved that okada match that might be one of my favorite matches the well, whole night like i said uh, and what i thought was interesting about that match was well uh, someone disagrees actually <laughs> said they, it's the worst that okada has had in years i, I disagree i thought jay white was great um there, there have been multiple instances uh, throughout the G1 where Jay White, only, I mean, every one of his matches, he won by disqualification mm -hmm. or some sort of interference. Then once Gato came aboard, there was more interference by him. And I, I really thought if Jay White was going to win this match, there would be that kind of chicanery. It wouldn't be a clean finish, right. but it was. And, and, and look, Gato did get involved earlier in the match. But not but, much. But at the end, clean finish is, uh, you know, he, he hits or tried multiple times to hit the Blade Runner before he finally hit it. And we were actually surprised that that was as quickly the ending, but it was. Now, let me just mention that beautiful crossbody that Okada oh, did yeah. uh, to the outside was awesome. over the railings onto Gato and Jay White. Beautiful crossbody, which is no surprise. I mean, Okada has a beautiful drop kick, a beautiful elbow, and a beautiful crossbody. Simple moves. His moveset, like Callus alluded to, a lot like Bret Hart in that you know what moves are coming, but they're effective basically is what he said. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I think that you could definitely see that just the way that Okada performs the moves so crisp and clean. And I, I love it. I just think it's a testament to how Okada is one of the best wrestlers in the entire world. Now we'll say if you guys are just tuning in, we have been a little harsh about the length of the matches. And to me, this is not my favorite wrestle kingdom. No. And I thought looking at the card, it might be better than last year's even, but to me, the match length being cut kind of was a hindrance and a downside for me. But overall, I did love it because I love New Japan. But yeah, I think that was a downside of the whole show. Uh, how about the uh, Rev Pro uh, British Heavyweight oh, Championship? Yeah. Uh, certainly a rarity for something like that to happen during Wrestle Kingdom. It's the first time uh, the Rev Pro belt has been defended at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, 
Ishii and Zack Sabre Jr., they've met before. We saw it back at WrestleCon. Yeah, WrestleCon in New Orleans. Basically, Ishii was the one to dethrone Zack Sabre Jr. at that show. And the crowd, they popped huge for that, um, including us. We like jumped up and were like, yeah, even though at the time we were huge fans of Zack Sabre Jr., we hadn't been before, but we had been on a Zack Sabre Jr. kick. And for him to lose the title there, but everyone was so happy about it, I was sure that Zack Sabre Jr. would regain the title. And yeah, it was kind of, a to me, an obvious finish. He did regain it back. But I do like what they said on commentary at the end. They said, basically, we've got Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. running Rev Pro because uh, Suzuki and ZSJ are tag champs, and now right. ZSJ is the, the heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, they're like royalty, I believe, was the line. Yeah. Uh, but th- I thought that was a great match. Uh, I, I, and, that, and I saw one of one of uh, Zachary said Zach or, and the Ishii was one of his uh, top matches. It really was a good match. I like the selling of Ishii's elbow being attacked. Oh, yeah, that sell- was great selling by yeah, Ishii. Because usually he's the powerhouse and kind of like reacts just like he he gives like stiff forearms and stiff chops and stiff slaps he kind of reacts in a a stiff way like nothing affects him just kind of like a stone like he's called the stone pitbull but here he was selling his elbow really really quite a bit and i liked that though because it's a different side of ishii i have to laugh when zach always does those uh, when he's got somebody down he does the little kicks of disdain not real (laughs) just the bottom or the the ball of his foot basically into somebody's face and then ishii gets up and you know, gives that evil stare at him. Like I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> I like when they were like, Oh, he's just angering Ishii. Now when Zach was hitting them really, really hard at the beginning of the match, uh, then Ishii stopped selling his elbow and started to get serious and, you know, get stiff with Zack Sabre jr. Again. But another person's press conference promo, you should go back and watch is Zack Sabre jr's. Cause he talks to Ishii and says, you know, this guy could snap me in half like a twiglet. And then he explained what a twiglet was like to people in Japan. And it's like a crisp, like a potato chip, basically. And then he goes on to say, you've had your fun with this title, but I'm going to take that title from you. I'm going to throw it in the trash, and I'm going to have the new belt. And he was true. Uh, he was telling the truth. Speaking of the Twiglet line, uh, you used it when uh, Ishii shoulder-charged ZSJ and sent ZSJ flying like five feet yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> and on commentary, they didn't emphasize didn't that at all. Acknowledge it. it was like Zack Sabre Jr. was a twig or a feather. He basically like floated across the ring from Ishii's shoulder. And also, Jason brings up a great point about no one has a better headbutt than Ishii. Ishii had a great headbutt in this particular match. And Jason, you are so right, because he has a beautiful, very effective seeming headbutt. And let's kind of circle back to the Osprey abushi match for one second, because it has to do with Ishii. Um, kind of, Osprey kind of uh, basically preaching that he wanted to make the title mean something again. And people who have historically held the never open weight title have been kind of bruisers and really tough guys. Kind of like if you think of the people who have held it before this recent string of people, you had Ishii who held the never open weight title. You had Shibata, people who are really hard hitting and extreme. And it was kind of like a very brutal championship belt to hold. So now I think Osprey holding it is going to give it a whole new meaning kind of. So that kind of ties in the whole Ishii, Osprey, Ibushi match all together, I think. We're going to see a new kind of class of champion for the Never Openweight title. I love this comment from a gamey cactus. ZSJ is so skinny, he can hang glide on a Dorito. <laughs> I like that. Also, Jason said he's all head and no neck, so he has a strong base for his head butts. That's a good point there, too. Uh, all in all, there were uh, eight, eight <laughs> title matches tonight, and uh, 
all eight matches saw title changes, which was a huge surprise. Yeah, uh, especially that's why I thought that Omega would retain. Like, there's no way we're going to see every title change happen here. And we did, though. Uh, you know, the, you had the Young Bucks uh, versus Evil and Sonata versus Tomatonga and Tongaloa. Again, we talked about what a brief match that was, but Evil and Sonata follow up their uh, tag league titles or championships by winning the title again. Uh, Cody versus Juice. Let's go to that one, the U.S. title. What did you think of that one? I liked that match, but again, too short. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see it as a longer match. Um, I like it as far as Cody matches goes because I, I sometimes am a little critical of Cody and his in-ring stuff because it doesn't captivate me as much of his as his uh, storytelling and his character does. He's great, great, great at character work. What I really loved was the lead-up. Again, I, I keep kind of promoting the the press conference, the press conference yeah. but it was so good brandy Rhodes basically destroying juice on commentary right. saying he can't she can't wait to yank watch, his hair out yeah yank <laughs> his hair out and watch cody kick his butt basically um so i thought that was kind of more powerful than the match itself in a way and we saw another spear by brandy because she actually speared jay lethal back in ring of honor when cody had his match against jay lethal well and going back to the press conference uh juice said he was going to hit Brandy, and then he's like, "No, I wouldn't hit a woman." Yeah, because the crowd like was laughing, but also gasping. And then in the course of the match, Brandy was like, "Come on, hit me! Dare, I dare yeah. you!" So I thought that was good stuff as well. Now, like, let, let's like talk about this because we we mentioned earlier in our podcast, we said that yeah, they mentioned Jacksonville quite a bit, especially during the Cody match. Mm -hmm. They mentioned it a little bit, kind of not as much by name during the Bucks match, but a lot during the Cody match. Now, what does all this mean? Everyone who is in AEW lost tonight. So will they or won't they have an association with New Japan Pro Wrestling? Make a choice. What do you think? What's your opinion on that? I, I think if they don't, I think it's not going to cripple both companies, but it's really going to hurt both companies. I, th I think then you're basically breaking off and diluting your talent pool. Uh, so I think it would be a mistake if there's not a collaboration with Ring of Honor and New Japan. Let's talk about diluting for a second back to a different match, the um, junior tag titles match. I feel like the junior heavyweight division yeah. has not been as strong since the Bucks have moved up to heavyweights. So to me, they need to build that division back up badly. Like you were talking about, you know, basically – whittling down your roster and stuff. That's what's happening here. And for a long time, the Bucks have been very vocal about wanting to do away with the weight classes in terms of the tag belts, which would make a deeper tag division in general. New Japan has always not just relied on tag teams, but relied on factions to create tag teams. So it hasn't been so much of a problem, but since the Bucks was their main junior tag team champs for a long time and also Rapungi Vice who also broke up now you've got Rapungi 3k but it's basically like replacing Rapungi Vice which is it's not adding you're just right. taking one away to add one and now the bucks are gone so you're one less even that, that pool is so thin it reminds me of whether you take Smackdown or Raw we talk about that all the time on the podcast that there really should only be one tag belt in WWE because splitting it between the two shows You've got very few matchups. I think that's the same feeling I have about the junior heavyweight tag team division in New Japan right now. You just don't have a lot that you know keeps it compelling because there's not enough different matchups. So yeah. it's something they're going to have to address. And maybe some of these young wrestlers that they're 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 
going to come back. Um, maybe that will add to the division, but it, it's it's definitely a little weak. It is. And uh, talking about weaknesses in general, especially of Wrestle Kingdom, the whole show, I feel like a weakness we saw was some big omissions of people that I think should have been on the card. And if it was a normal Wrestle Kingdom show that was able to be a longer show, we would have seen Suzuki maybe with a singles match or at least in a tag match with somebody on the main card, not on the pre-show. Right. We would have seen possibly Goto in a match, but we didn't get to see that. And that, that to me was a big drawback of the show because Suzuki had such a great 2018 to not see him get like a prominent part on this Wrestle Kingdom show was a bummer to me. Now I know you only have so much time and there were so many matches, but uh, that's why I wish they had a longer show like normal. And um, if you think back to last year's Wrestle Kingdom, which overall I really, really thought this Wrestle Kingdom would overall be better, but because the matches were a lot shorter, I kind of like last year's Wrestle Kingdom just as much as this year's. Wrestle Kingdom 11, actually, two years ago is, is still my favorite of the last few years. And Wrestle Kingdom 10 was even better than that. That was a great show, too. But to go back to my point, Suzuki had one of the best matches last year, and a lot of people were taken aback because you had a lot of first-time viewers last year with the Jericho and Omega match bringing new eyes into the promotion and onto the show. So all those new eyes seeing Suzuki versus Goto, the hair versus hair match last year, were really delightfully were surprised about how brutal that match was and not only that when you see hair versus hair on paper you might think yeah. that it's a silly match and we said this last week on right. our year-end special but no suzuki and really the japanese culture it made it more meaningful one suzuki had not just any normal hair his hair meant something it was part of his persona part of his character part of his kind of look that he's always been known for and so to shave your hair in Japan is almost like a thing of honor. It's like a disgrace to have to shave your head. But he owned it after the end of last, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, his last match last year. He got back into the ring and shaved his own head. Didn't let anyone else do it. He owned it and did it himself. And that's why I think he could have just had just as an impactful performance this year. But unfortunately, he wasn't on the main card. I see Judgment asking, how long was Wrestle Kingdom 12 compared to Wrestle Kingdom 13? I think it was at least five hours, if not more. That's what I think. We know. We saw the sunrise. Yeah, and we know that this was definitely, it wasn't even four hours. I mean, the show ended at four hours, but the actual. The matches were less than four Tanahashi hours. Tanahashi going up the ramp was even less than that. So Let's talk about time. A match that I actually thought would be longer. We didn't discuss this match at all yet. Jericho versus Naito. And now this is their second matchup. And I thought it was just as good as the first. Now, usually I've been complaining about the matches not being as long as they could be. But here I felt like this match particularly was just the right length because it was fast, brutal, and you don't need a D no DQ match to be an hour long. You want it to be hard hitting, quick, quick, quick. And it was. And I thought that was the appropriate thing to be like. And it was like that from the get go. Naito attacks Jericho from behind to get the match started. They go out on the ramp and Naito hits the pile driver, and we both kind of winced because you see the top of Jericho's head definitely hit the stage. How hard? It was hard to tell, but we both were like, oof. I thought that looked like he legit drilled his head there. And then later we saw basically the opposite where um, I believe wasn't uh, – who did the – the DDT on the table. Yeah, the, Naito uh, got DDT yeah, to the table. And there, there was no doubt that Naito's His head, head hit, hit the table. Yeah. So 
those were two. I brutal kept forgetting spots. who did. Who yeah. to, to no, those which. were two brutal spots. Uh, I loved, uh, and you did too, when Naito was doing the, uh, the, uh, oh, what's the legendary Japanese baseball player? Sounds uh, something. Oh, I can't remember what his first name, but he does the leg kick when he hits, and that's what Naito was about to do with the oh. the kendo stick, and he misses. And you, you love the reversal by Jericho. Yeah, a reversal into a code breaker. Like he ducked, then he did a code breaker, and it was an awesome sequence. I loved it. And I like how leading into the match, Jericho kept touting, this is going to be your last match, Naito. Ironically, it could have been. This is just speculation. Maybe this was Chris Jericho's last match in New Japan. Well, they certainly... At least for a while, the, maybe ever. The way the broadcasters kept talking about his durability and the, you know, the, he's gone 20 years without an injury. Jericho's brought that up too, but then they compared it to, you know, how long the rock lasted, how long stone cold, Steve Austin. It almost sounded like something you'd be saying at a retirement ceremony. Yeah. You know, like same all these thing with Kushida. Yeah. yeah. Same so feel. I don't know if that I look, Jer I can't imagine Jericho's done wrestling, but I could see, you know, this, that this is the end of a little run in New Japan. I want to address this comment. HP Johnny says, Jericho couldn't put on a New Japan technical classic anymore because of his age, to be honest. I have to agree with you because I think that's why they keep putting him in these brutal, hardcore matches versus doing a traditional singles match. It's because he obviously can be brutal and extreme more easily than he can be like his younger or more technical self. Now, I still am not taking anything away from Jericho. He's still the GOAT. But what I will say is funny is I went on the Jericho cruise. And so seeing Cruise Jericho, which was a very laid back, kind of silly, fun Jericho, reversed right into this extreme hardcore Jericho that we saw building up into this Naito match is quite a change and quite quick of a change from one persona to another. But that's what makes Jericho so great, and it definitely makes him the GOAT. His ability to adapt and change over time, not just over this last year or two years, mm -hmm. but over his whole career, if you think of the many faces of Jericho and his many personas, and heck, even his many catchphrases, his many hairstyles, the list goes on and on. He has changed and evolved and adapted, much like somebody like Matt Hardy has done with his broken character, when he changed from just being like the less talked about Hardy to kind of making himself relevant. Jericho has time and time again found ways to make himself relevant, and he's so good at that. And he also uses outside ventures like the cruise, like being an author, like being a part of Fozzie, all of that to his advantage to stay relevant and stay in the public eye. And that's why he's the GOAT. And I think that was one of my favorite matches of the night. I love King Larry, the first comment about uh, when Jericho yelled out, do you like that bleep? That was pretty darn funny. Uh, I do also like uh, Gamey Cactus's comment about I miss WCW era Jericho. The Malenko Jericho feud was great. Uh, King Larry the first also adding back to the, the Omega point, and this would be pretty incredible. Imagine Omega coming out at number 30 instead of R-Truth. I think I would have a heart attack. <laughs> I would have a heart attack and then cry. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I understand what you mean. I don't mean to be such a hater. I'm terrible. A anime wrestling media, I think Jericho would be overstaying his welcome if he were to stay in New Japan. I think that's a great point. I think it's a great point, and I think um, it's really truthful, actually. It's brutally honest, because they, they compared, actually... Jericho's IWGP IC reign to Nakamura's not the same at all because Nakamura kind of brought that title back to relevance whereas Jericho gave it new meaning in a different way but he didn't 
stick around to defend it. And, you know, New Japan is not like WWE where people just like go off from once without coming back and defending their title, especially when traditionally the IWGP IC title has been like a secondary title that's main evented shows before. When you've got somebody like Jericho holding the belt and leaving with it, you don't have that secondary kind of title to main event lower tier shows or, you know, second level shows. We want to thank all of you who are joining us. If this is the first time you've seen us, she's Kelsey. I'm Paul. We're the co-hosts of Two-Face Wrestling Talk right here on Wrestling Inc. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you check us out at Two-Face Pod or Two-Face Pod or Two-FaceWrestlingTalk.com. No, TwoFacePod.com. Two you can't even get I've, our I've website. Been doing, I've been doing this for a year, and I still can't keep the, the website okay. and the Twitter. It is like 7 a.m., and we've been up <laughs> yeah, since 1. Yeah. So I, it's I'm waiting for the leaf blowers to start blowing out. The daylight is, uh -oh. is coming. So uh, thanks, all of you, for joining us, and uh, we appreciate all of that, and we'll keep uh, going with some of your comments as well. Uh, Young Bucks, Cody, all those that we know are going to AEW, I saw a post uh, that Jericho is going to go if you follow his Twitter post that he may appear in AEW. So that, as we kind of reset here, as we come up on the top of the hour from when we started, to me, the two talking points as we started this night, uh, the, the, the shorter length of this show and maybe the match is not getting a chance to breathe and the underlying speculation and talk about AEW certainly were the two main talking points of this Wrestle Kingdom. Speaking of AEW, and I want to go to somebody's comment here, uh, Brandon Boysen said, both the IC and US titles have been on ice for way too long. I completely agree. And that's why I think that it was a great thing that Cody dropped the US title to Juice. Juice has been very, very over, especially with the Japanese mm -hmm. crowd. He has proven that he can be a great face for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So finally putting the belt back on him and hopefully now he could have a reign that is kind of worthy of that title. Because if you remember, he had that terrible performance in the G1, which I'm sure was great for this redemption story that we're now seeing the payoff for. But getting to my point about AEW, I think Cody losing the belt doesn't mean that AEW can't still work with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. I still think that they're trying to, if they do work with New Japan, keep it a surprise. And by all of the people involved with AEW dropping the belts or losing their matches, respectively, I think it still leaves the question open will they won't they work with new japan and it gives us stuff to ponder and think about before that january 8th press conference or whatever they're calling it fan fest that uh aew will hold in jacksonville i want to thank uh judgment uh he says i'm usually around with the raj and glenn and matt combination haven't seen these two but they're pretty good oh thank you we so appreciate much. you appreciate saying that. that i hope that means you'll uh join us on fridays uh back to juice robinson we haven't talked about this the ridiculous pants. He, he's getting more and more ridiculous. The he's weird, trying to outdo himself. Weird puffy stuff with the capri pants. <laughs> I love that. Hopefully he, he keeps just getting more and more outlandish because they are terrible, but but fascinating at the same time. They're like kind of like eye-catching where you can't. It's like you want to look away, but you cannot. And I love that about Juice. It's kind of like descriptive of Juice as a wrestler 
in its entirety because you want to look away from juice he's so weird looking you wouldn't think he's like a great baby face but he is and you can't help but just stare at him and like actually <laughs> realize he's amazing like speaking of people who are underrated talkers we talked about osprey kind of never getting props for his promos especially his pre-match promos he's given a, a ton of great ones including one before he had his match with hiromu takahashi who i'm surprised i thought we would see like him coming out yeah and saying something like making a surprise appearance but i guess there was wasn't time but just like osprey to me is an underrated promo guy i think juice is someone who's great at promos who never gets due props for awesome promos he has the most ridiculous promos but they're believable and he definitely has a dusty style about him and since he trains you know he trained under dusty at nxt we all know that i think you could see that influence in his promos uh, i want to thank somebody else who uh seeing us for the first time well uh, wink community seems to be harsh to new stuff but i like you too just as I like Nick's energy, that's from HB Johnny. Thanks Thank so much, Johnny. Much. Uh, I wanted to point out a couple of comments that passed by that I would love. I don't know if they're realistic. Hunter Iggy and LaFlame uh, La both like the idea of NXT versus AEW at some point. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be really, really cool. I mean, we saw, you said NXT versus AEW, right? Yeah. We saw tweets between Matt and then people of like Dash from, I think it was Dash. I can't remember which of the revival, but they were like, Bucks versus Revival will happen. Remember this tweet. <laughs> now take that with a grain of salt. They could just be, you know, Bucks are so good. I've said this time and time again at using social media to their benefit and kind of getting people talking and speculating. I mean, heck, we're seeing that now because Matt tweeted out, thank you, Japan. Like it was a, a farewell, like they'll never work with New mm -hmm. Japan ever again, which I still think that they will. But Matt's, you know, leaving it up for people to speculate like, uh-oh, what does this mean? just like omega rolling out of the ring really fast same thing what does this mean dropping all the belts what does this mean they won't be working together but i still think it could happen it could be all a ruse like i said the bucks are so good at that but yeah it was cool to see the revival and bucks trade tweets about possibly facing one day kind of cool more commentary uh deadpool nerd says juice has been killing it this past year loved his story arc from a loser to champ. Totally agree. Too. Totally agree. Loved when he broke his finger and all the promos and about um, dressing up so American <laughs> stuff shooting out of his butt and all. And it was ridiculous. And it sounds like I'm not being serious. Like, oh, yeah, that was just a throwaway promo. It's something that our truth would say. No, 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 no. I Juice could have a funny promo, but still kind of word it. He was he that, had great promos. Yeah. Yeah, but what I'm saying is people might think with us saying it, if they haven't heard it, that right. it's silly, like something yeah. our truth right. would say, but no, no, it's really believable. And actually, although he could be silly talking about stuff shooting out of his butt and being, you know, dressing from head to toe in USA colors, he still has a really like baby face persona in his promo, and he could be funny one second and serious and kind of really like yeah, I'm going to do this and an underdog at the same time. So all together, that's why he's a great promo. All those things working together to be just the whole package. More talk about AEW. And uh, this is a good point from gaming cactus benefit that AEW has is that the owner, as we've talked about of the Jacksonville Jaguars is financing AEW fronting a big amount of money. He's worth $6 billion. We've talked about it on, on the podcast. He owns a premier league team, Fulham, uh, who's, just barely hanging on in the Premier League right now. Probably <laughs> going to be relegated. But uh, this dude has money. He hasn't been able to buy a winner in Jacksonville with the Jaguars. But, yeah. But uh, if if he's fronting a ton of money, they can compete. Well, you know what else is interesting about Khan um, is that he's a fan. 
somebody, I think it was Voices of Wrestling, who are great. You should follow them on Twitter. They tweeted out about how he's an actual fan, and they took one of his past tweets when uh, Claudio, a.k.a. Cesaro, was leaving Ring of Honor, and he was saying something like, this will be a huge blow to Ring of Honor. So he's an actual fan. Apparently, he, you know, he, like, subscribes to newsletters. He is just like us. So for the longest time, fans have wanted somebody who has money, but also is tapped in and tuned into what the fans want and what wrestling is all about. Because a lot of times you've got these big-name guys. Let's even use Vince McMahon. I'm not saying he's not a fan. What I'm saying is he's not exactly tuned into wrestling today. He's not exactly tuned into, I guess, your hardcore audience. He may like go for like the smart business decisions or, you know, the smart stock decisions because, you know, WWE is a publicly traded company. Very hard to compare that with New Japan Pro Wrestling to different things, two different animals, apples, oranges. But what you can compare is like the the style and the knowledge, it seems, of popular culture of just being a well-rounded fan that's in the know that is tuned to what people want to see you know yep i love uh J- hb johnny with the you like that the star trek <laughs> reference of god <laughs> yeah uh, i like star trek the next generation better do. but i still give you props for that <laughs> uh, L- latago modiba uh, is omega in nxt better than omega in wwe main roster absolutely if you want to see better wrestling uh, yeah. obviously you want to see him in the main roster because of the platform he would be on. But if you want to see him in good matches, you'd rather see him in NXT. Now, I'm not saying, Maynard, that Vince is not a fan. I'm saying he's not as tuned in to fans nowadays. Of course, he's a fan, but he's also a businessman. And I think that's what he is now, first and foremost. And I do feel like he is going to be giving some attention to the XFL. We can't forget that. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to up his game with that. Now that we know that there's another spring league base, basically competition from his own friend who he started the XFL with his friend's son. Yeah. That's so, insane. And so, that starts the week after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So that's coming up very shortly. So I think Vince will kind of be concentrating, but that brings up a, a an interesting point. Will that leave the door open for triple H to be more involved for the product to actually get better God, as, so. <laughs> as it's been, preached that they're going to get better. I don't know if I believe that at all. So we will see only time will tell about WWE getting better and only time will tell who will actually join AEW and what companies will or won't work with AEW. If any companies will at all. Hey, one thing we have not mentioned uh, big news that the G one next year is going to start on American soil. Uh, it was announced July 6th, American airlines center, uh, which they said seats 7,000 people. It's an NBA and NHL arena, which holds probably 17,000, but maybe they'll configure it to just hold 7,000. They, they, they quoted 7,000, right. but that'll be fun. And that's like closer to our hood. And it's also a different area of the country than they're usually going to. So New Japan having a show in Dallas, we got to make that happen. We got to go. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And I think it's a great move for New Japan to be going to places like you know, Nashville, um, instead of just focusing on California, which right. is obviously where their dojo is, I think they can't just rely on that fan base because people don't want to just keep traveling, especially you've got people f- coming in from around the world or around the country. They don't want to keep going back to the same place, you know? I agree with uh, Maynard. Uh, just want the boys to get as much money as they can. So, and that is the thing that I've said all along. Whether we really want Kenny Omega in WWE, probably not. You know, if we if we want to see 
see his best wrestling unless there's a fundamental shift in the way WWE handles wrestling wrestling itself. and creative like right. promos promos are scripted to a T you've got a publicly traded company you have to stick to the script because you can't say something wrong they give a little bit of freedom to certain people who are higher up on the card but it, it it's also an egos game in a way, it seems. I'm just speculating. But, you know, Kenny Omega is always great at his promos. He goes off the cuff. Everything seems like it's, like, kind of just off the top of his head. It's so realistic and believable, the things he says. And sometimes it's vulgar and over the top, and he curses. And I think that's the great Kenny Omega you don't want to lose. You don't want to censor Kenny Omega or it's mm-hmm. not the Kenny Omega we all know and love. Not that he still can't be great. Like AJ Styles made the transformation perfectly. But to me, AJ Styles and Kenny Omega are so different. It's insane. They're both they're both two of the best wrestlers on the planet. But their pers- personas are completely different. AJ is more mainstream and I think can be kind of, I guess, altered a little bit easier. And censored and he doesn't lose anything i think omega would lose out his character would lose out being censored now having said that i am not against wwe uh people going and making money i'm all for the boys getting money i love wrestlers i have so much respect for them putting their bodies on the line for our entertainment so i wouldn't begrudge anybody i just as a fan would be sad to see the characters change and lose like some of their luster and some of their appeal but i do understand the bottom line of course and i want my faves to make money but i just wish they could make money changing the world like omega making money with aew let's say changing the world making a difference i mean that's his whole platform so it'd be cool to actually buy into that and, uh, you know, practice what you preach. Just looking at some other uh, comments, uh, HB Johnny, how did we WWE book Samoa Joe versus AJ or Nakamura versus AJ? I'd expect the same lame stuff for Omega versus AJ. HB Johnny, I'm with you. Uh, I thought the Samoa Joe AJ storyline was decent and I thought the wrestling was decent, but it could have been so much more. I thought, and you know, my personal. I know you want Joe to get a title. Joe, Joe deserves a belt. Yeah, he deserves. He's, he's a belt. one of the best wrestlers, you know, in the last fifteen years. As you pointed out, he's not getting younger either. No, and he's got everything you could want in a wrestler, especially he's like conformed to WWE so well. He deserves a belt, and he's one of the best heels that they have. Very believable. His promos are off the chart, and it doesn't matter if he curses or not. He's still like a scary <laughs> guy just by speaking normal words. Windy. <laughs> just saying windy, and he's menacing, you know? Like, that's awesome, and that's why he deserves a run. Uh, this is also today, and this morning is just the beginning of a big wrestling weekend. Of course, New Year's Dash, the big follow-up show to Wrestle Kingdom, will take place overnight tonight. Uh, Impact has their big pay-per-view homecoming on Sunday night, and those are the kind of things we'll be discussing on our podcast next Friday. So make sure you check us out, Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, for all of that right here on Wrestling Inc. NWA has a pop-up event as well, oh, yeah. which they will be showing. They're not showing it live, but I believe it will be available video on demand. And David Arquette, now a lot of you guys may groan, he is Ugh. involved and he's pushing this so hard. He's in a hair versus hair match. Now, it's not as serious as like Suzuki shaving his hair, but because he's a Hollywood guy and his appearance matters they're kind of portraying it that way (laughs) um i feel like it's kind of an interesting match with his hair on the line it's more than just a normal goofy hair versus hair match and he's going to be 
basically at the NWA event. And apparently he's invested in the NWA. And a lot of people might say, oh, Arquette, he's like lame. He like basically was a joke when he held the WCW title. Yes, I, I understand how that was wrong. But if you were in his shoes, would you really like, if you were a lifelong fan and had the opportunity to be a champion and hold the big, like the big, the big gold belt, <laughs> would you deny that? I wouldn't. So to me, uh, it's hard to kind of fault him for being a fan and wanting to wrestle. And at least he actually cares and invests in the product. And he went through, you know, the training. Like right now, the things he's done, he was in that insane death match a few months ago. His body completely tore up. So to me, I give Arquette props, unrelated, but that's something else coming up we need to look out for, that NWA event. And we will be talking about that as well, hopefully whenever it's available for us to watch on video on demand. If you're not keeping up with NWA's YouTube channel, you should definitely check it out. As Cody Rhodes was involved in one of the best feuds of the year, which it wasn't a feud in New Japan, it was a feud involved, you know, building up to All In with Nick Aldis of NWA. And that was an amazing match and it was an amazing kind of storyline going into that match too one of my favorite of the year new year getting off to a great start with such great wrestling uh the impact show is going to be interesting i am definitely looking forward to the lucha brothers uh versus lax oh uh, man that's going to be an amazing I, match. to me lax was involved in the match of the year in impact against uh the ogs and mvp candidates for that promotion for sure and you know we love the lucha brothers pentagon and phoenix is one of the most amazing wrestlers i've ever seen yeah should be a, a fun show but let's turn back to wrestle kingdom 13 to wrap things up what what yeah. where where do we think uh this where do we think things are going to go within the promotion from here what what do you think will happen at wrestle dash or in the next few months um, New Year's Dash. Or New yeah. Year's Dash. Which, um, I, I, it's close enough. <laughs> I, I fall asleep. <laughs> me too. I, I don't know. That's the whole story of this Wrestle Kingdom. It leaves so many things open. A lot of people might be actually thinking the opposite of me, thinking that the results of the matches kind of spell it all out for us, that everyone's leaving for AEW, especially some of your main guys, Cody, the Bucks, Kenny, um, or WWE. We don't know about Kenny. But... I feel like they're still leaving it open and it still could be up for conjecture. I don't know, but I think you kind of made a great comment during the show. You said the whole story about Wrestle Kingdom, say what you said about it's all about uncertainties and it questions. Really, it really is. I mean, that to me, that was the underlying storyline of uncertainty. Uh, you know, we don't know who's going to still be around. We don't know, you know, I, I mean, right down to, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. We haven't really talked about this. Who's next for Tanahashi? Now that Tanahashi is the champ, who do you guys think will be the first one to challenge him? Could it be Kota Ibushi? Could it be... Kota Ibushi <laughs> to avenge Omega's loss. Right. And maybe that's why we didn't see that and, happen at the end of the show, because they want that to play out tomorrow. And a rematch of the G1 final, too. Um. Well... Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi. Yeah, that would be amazing, because <laughs> I... Let me backtrack so when we saw the finals of the g1 and it was tanahashi versus abushi i was like oh this is probably not going to end up being that good of a match because tanahashi has been nagged by in in injuries all year but tanahashi really delivered in that match but i was surprised that he won and a little disappointed but i thought okay if omega stays in the promotion he's got to beat the ace to cement himself as one of the new japan greats so i think it says a lot that he didn't beat tanahashi that he has to be leaving or doing something because he lost, and how could it be mentioned in the same breath as Tanahashi or Okada? 
I mean, he can in a way because those Okada matches are legendary, but he didn't beat the ace. I feel like like Okada had to beat Tanahashi to be cemented as one of the greats in New Japan. And that's what I felt like Omega had to do, but he failed. So yeah, I was so surprised when Tanahashi ended up winning. But the match, I thought, was a great match between him and Omega. And it ended up being okay. And Tanahashi really, really delivered. And his injuries didn't look so bad. Like, he looked good. So I would love to see Tanahashi versus Ibushi as his his first title defense this time around. Uh, Deadpool Nerd and a couple others think it'll be Jay White that makes the run. Remember, they squared off in the G1 as well. No, after the G1 when Tanahashi was defending his briefcase, but maybe during the G1 yeah, as well. Yeah, I think there was a – I think – I think that was one of the matches Jay White won on a uh, heel tactics, yeah. if I remember correctly. I think you're right. So I could certainly see Jay White because, as we've mentioned, Jay White certainly seems like he's uh, going to get a push and maybe, as a few of you have noted, may get a push into Omega's spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, Zach just said he thinks Tan Tanahashi versus Jay White is on the horizon, but he said he wants Suzuki versus Tanahashi instead. Heck yeah, me too. I love Suzuki. That we would love be an, Suzuki. An awesome match. But yeah, I think Jay White versus him would be much more likely and definitely well, will happen. If not coming up soon, maybe a few months down the line. Especially since Suzuki was relegated to the pre-show today. That'd be quite the jump to go from the pre-show <laughs> to a title yeah, match. Yeah, But uh, Suzuki took the IC title from Tanahashi, don't forget back in the day so yeah uh this is a great point if aew is a success i think impact is doomed says anime wrestling media great point there because impact just moved to an obscure as heck channel at a late time competing on the same night as smackdown and it's not in the same time frame it's like just after which i thought they might think is a good thing but i don't think people are staying home and watching wrestling that night i think they're going to dvr it this channel is a huge downgrade from pop and not a lot of people had pop to begin with. So to me, this is terrible news for impact. You know, Callus is coming off as kind of delusional touting it as this is going to be a great move for us. It's going to be edgier, sexier and more hardcore than ever before, which I guess you could tout that if you make Sammy Callahan the champion, which you should, because he's the best wrestler for the company right now. He brings a lot of eyes and has had the best feuds, I think, but Overall, I don't think this channel move is really going to be a great thing. And if AEW takes off, yeah, Impact could have some real competition and really falter unless they work with AEW in like talent swaps that, and th stuff. That would that would be the only way. Look, we don't even—I uh, didn't even know what Pop was to be honest before yeah. we started watching Impact on there. I looked on our TV provider, and we don't even get the Pursuit channel, so. I'm not sure how much of impact we're actually going to be talking about in 2019 because I don't know how much of it we're actually going to be able to see. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really, I can't even remember what I was going to say. That's how tired I'm getting, <laughs> but um, I, I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen moving forward with all of these things. I think AEW people keep asking, will they get a TV deal? They have to. And I think they will. Um, now I think it depends. Are they going to still be associated with ring of honor or not? I know a lot of people are saying definitely not, but if that is a possibility, they obviously can't have a TV deal with a competitor of Sinclair's. Wouldn't you think? Right? Uh, yeah, I, I would guess. So, so I don't know. It's hard Pursuit to say. Pursuit is owned by Anthem, and that's why they're moving there, says HB Johnny. Well, yeah, but it's it's not it's not a prominent channel, right. though. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get why they're doing it. It's, it's, you know, under their umbrella. But, yeah, it's uh, to me, it's going to be harder to find. I, 
I'd be interested to know, is it on direct TV or most cable providers? Again, we have Hulu TV now. I, so I know we don't have uh, the pursuit channel, but I, I, I don't know where it's available just distribution wise compared to pop. I'd be interested to know if it really is a bigger platform as far as possible viewership. Um, I actually think what I was going to backtrack and say is, yeah, I think Impact will have trouble with AEW, like if they're going to take off and rise and if they have a TV deal, then Impact's definitely in trouble. But if they work together, they've got a better chance and backtracking to the crews a little bit. We saw some Impact versus ROH matches, but a lot of those had AEW guys now. So let's take, for example, the Bucks versus LAX. Believe me when I tell you. It could have been match of the year of any promotion. Right. It was amazing. It was a great match. The crowd was chanting for LAX after the match. You know, they all paid respect to each other. Two of the best tag teams in the world, period. Not just of their respective promotions, but ever. So if AEW and Impact work together again, we could see that match televised. Because only the people on the cruise, as far as I know, got to see that match. It wasn't on the Jericho Cruise pay-per-view. Right. So... Look out for something like that if they do end up working together because it was incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, if that were to happen, and uh, Mark Jack does say Pursuit is on DirecTV, so thank you, Mark. Uh, yeah, that would certainly open uh, up some uh, avenues for some great matches. I mean, Cody versus Sammy Callahan. You know, you, you, that would certainly, and again, that could be a big saving grace for Impact. Thanks to uh, Joshua says he's feeling thus <laughs> with good energy and <laughs> oh, easy geez. to listen to. Nobody has ever said I'm easy to listen to. So yeah, you're hard to listen <laughs> yeah. to. Get out of here, Paul. <laughs> you're pretty. You're pretty all right. You're okay. Well, I get. I guess while somebody's complimenting us, we should probably get out on a high note. Uh, yeah, maybe. Fi final thoughts on uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Final thoughts. I enjoyed the show. Like I enjoy all Wrestle Kingdoms, but before I started watching Wrestle Kingdom live, and that was during Wrestle Kingdom 11, I watched that live, I had a marathon and I watched Wrestle Kingdom 7 through 10, right before 11. So I have seen, as of right now, 7 through 13. And to me, it's this Wrestle Kingdom is not one of my favorites because, and only because, of the lack of time that each match got. Now, I'm not saying that it was a bad show at all. No. I am just saying that like the card on paper was so stacked and some of those matches, not everyone could have been at least 10 minutes longer in a lot of cases. Heck, some of them even just at least five. And that would have added a lot because New Japan is known for their in-ring storytelling. And to me, you need a little bit more time for things to unfold. And that's one of the things that separates it from WWE. And even other promotions like Impact, all those places have constraints. And so... New Japan, whether it's trying to be more global or more appealing to the Western audiences, no matter what the reason is that they made this show shorter, I'm not a fan of it because you take away the New Japan flavor and what makes New Japan New Japan, you know, and what makes me a fan of the differences of this promotion versus any other, you know, but overall it was a good show, but, uh, you know, I love Wrestle Kingdom 11, Wrestle Kingdom 10, those are some of my favorites of all time, and Wrestle Kingdom 13 did not outshine those shows for me but it was awesome and uh i'm happy that my boy osprey won I, but i think my favorite match of the night it's hard to say i really loved okada and jay white just because of how far jay white's character has come and the return of okada's shorts or trunks <laughs> whatever you want to call them i was really happy to see that and the crowd popping for it i think was the cherry on top and really shows what wrestling is all about and how great wrestling can be that people just love shorts but yeah i um 
I really think overall it was a good show, but not my favorite, you know. <laughs> uh, one other uh, comment about you. Uh, you don't have to read Sergeant? all the compliments, no. please. No, no. <laughs> I like Kelsey. WWE should hire her. Energy is great and contagious. Ring of Honor, AEW, I'd go there. Uh, you'd go to WWE in a heartbeat. <laughs> you would take no, you can, you can hold me to this right now. Uh-huh. I will not go. I'm not, if Omega goes, I'm not Omega. No, no, no. I, I really love Ring of Honor, New Japan. Like, and when AEW forms, I love those guys involved. So to me, like, that's where my heart lies. That's where my passion is. I get charged up and fired up, you know, but I really appreciate the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I will uh, wrap up my thoughts by what I said that uh, the show was great, but not in a in some ways for me, underwhelming because I expected more, uh, I'm shocked that I'm going to say this, but I think uh, the Omega Tanahashi match, I guess mainly because of the storytelling, but some of the physicality as well was probably my favorite match of the night. And, you know, I, I'm not a huge Tanahashi fan. You're not. Uh, so I, I, I think bookended were the two best matches, you know, the, the Ibushi Osprey, but it could have been longer, but could have been longer. And Omega Tanahashi kind of surprised that there were no surprises at the end of the show, and maybe there, there will be something on the show. There's got to be some tomorrow, guys. Stay tuned because I think we're going to see big things unfold. And if nothing unfolds tomorrow, which I know won't be the case, we'll see even more developments when AEW has their big fan thing and their big press conference on January 8th. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, real quick. Um, you can only pick one match. Come on, one match. What's your favorite? Tonight? Yeah. Uh, I'll say Omega and Tanahashi. And out of the Wrestle Kingdoms you've seen, which one do you like better? Oh. Because uh, you've only seen. How many have you seen? 11, 12, and 13? 11, 12, and 13, I think. Uh, probably 11, I think. 11's great, yeah. you know. Although last year was good, too. But uh, <laughs> welcome to Raw is Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but I will say this, um, you know, with New Year's Dash tomorrow, Impact, we've got plenty to talk about. So once again, tell everybody where they can find us, especially for all of you who are joining us for the first time. Yeah, thank you guys so much for watching us. We so appreciate it. I can't tell you enough how much it means to us because I know we're not your usual hosts on Wink's live podcasts, but we're big fans of New Japan and we felt like somebody needed to do a live post show. So if you like what you've listened to and seen, Check us out on our normal day, which is Friday. We drop on YouTube. We upload a video, which has, like, edited stuff in it. It's got, like, pictures, and sometimes it has footage. And uh, it has a cool open that's based off of Batman, the animated <laughs> series. I've got, like, a little spoof of Batman in there. Uh, and we do a lot of pop culture stuff. Like, I mix wrestling with pop culture like scenarios and we call it the pop and wrestling connection. We love doing that. We've done all kinds of stuff, like which wrestlers would help. Kevin McAllister defend his home against mm-hmm. the sticky slash wet bandits. And that was really fun. We do stuff like that all the time. So catch us at twofacedpod.com. There is a tab called find the pod, which has links to wrestling inks platforms. It has links to all their audio, different specific platforms like Stitcher, Spreaker, all that stuff, all the links on there. You'll be able to find us easily and subscribe again. It'll be, You'll be subscribed to Wrestling Inc.'s feed, and we drop on Friday. So Friday morning, look out where it says in the title, Winks Two-Faced, and that'll be us. Also follow us on Twitter at Two-Faced Pod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. And specifically, 
I'm very active on my Twitter, and I send out a lot of polls that we use on our show. So, like, I'll be asking you what wrestling T-shirt you want me to wear. I'll be asking what your favorite match of Wrestle Kingdom was, and we'll read your answers on the show, including your handles. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at SuperKickingIt, and that's with a G, spelled S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. And I know it's been a long show. Thank you guys for bearing with us. We've had a lot of fun, and we actually have a lot more to say about Wrestle Kingdom, which we'll delve into probably more next week, next Friday. And we generally try to drop the podcast on Friday morning around 7 o'clock so that you guys can uh, download it and listen to it on your way into work on Friday. And uh, hopefully that'll get you through the day. <laughs> hopefully so. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our show, but also more importantly, Wrestle Kingdom. Because if you stayed up to watch it, you're a true fan. And I know it takes a lot of stamina and coffee, I guess, too, in some cases. So, so we're going to... We're going to sign out because yeah. uh, Kelsey's got to be at work in an hour and a half. So. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I'll be on. I'll be napping. That sucks. <laughs> That's unfair. And then we're going to a hockey game in Pensacola. So straight from work, no nap, straight to a hockey game. And today's our production day at my TV station where I work. So we're going to be doing TV shows all day. So I can't like relax and goof off. So it's going to be crazy. Wish me luck surviving the day, guys. Thank you guys for bearing with us. And that's it for us. That's the finish. Take care. <laughs>